This week on Young Nostalgia, welcome to fabulous Las Vegas. Let's take a look. Welcome to Young Nostalgia, another fabulous week, another fabulous episode coming to you. Thanks so much for joining us. I'm Nolan. As always, Ben is beside me on a wonderfully handmade Amish porcelain toilet bowl. Good to see you, man. How you been today? <laughs> I was with you on the Amish, and then I, I was I was I was not aware that they uh, are known for making uh, toilets. Yeah. Honestly, just by hand, and then shouldn't they be um, wooden? They're self-cleaning. <laughs> I don't, I don't know what to say. <laughs> I don't know, I don't know where to go with that. <laughs> oh my god! How, how have you been? Oh, not, not too bad. I mean, freezing, absolutely freezing all weekend here. I mean, it's only like thirty degrees, but for whatever reason, I just. I'm always cold. I know. We had one of those first mornings this past week where you breathe in and then the mucus and your nose hairs freeze and then <laughs> you can't breathe anymore. Like we had one of those already. So. Oh, nice. Nice. Yeah. yeah, I think that's, I mean, I don't know. When I left this morning, it was maybe like high 20s. It wasn't super cold. So nothing like what you were experiencing. But it was one of those, one of those uh, wake up calls where it's like, oh, it's really cold. And then you look at the thermostat or the thermometer and it's like, oh, wait, it's not really that cold. I am just not ready for winter. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> but it is here and it's about to be here in full force. That's um, very true. So, yeah, man, I don't know. Not not too much small talk going on. Uh, in terms of our lives here in Nebraska, we uh, opted into a few weeks of that Hello Fresh stuff oh yeah and uh we tried it because we had like a free box right that's how that's always how they loop you in so we did a couple free boxes and then apparently michelle thought that she canceled the subscription (laughs) but didn't and so then we had a box sitting out there for over two days and our apartment complex was like hey are you guys gonna come get this and like you know michelle didn't like check her email or anything because we weren't expecting it to happen and then uh the only thing that were good, I think, was like the broccoli and the potatoes, and then everything else was just trash. <laughs> everything just got like super moldy. So I think we have Ooh. finally officially canceled the subscription um, after one more box came. But, you know, it's okay. We're working through it. Honestly, the meals are pretty good. We are not being endorsed by HelloFresh at all. The only thing to us, from us to you, is that keep track of that subscription food thing because you can really get <laughs> bit in the butt if you don't pay attention to when it what, was delivered. So You know, when you were first saying that, I like, left it out for two days and I thought to myself, oh, you know, that's a good thing. It's been cold the past couple of days. Oh no, it's in like an office, like a like our apartment yeah. complex. Like, well, yeah, that's where I was gonna. That's that was gonna be my next question. Is like, I I just assumed that it was gonna be like an outdoor mailbox kind of thing. Oh, uh, but obviously not. That, that it's a shame that it's not outdoor in a certain situation like that. Right, it would have been completely okay, but it's crazy. I mean, they they do a really good job. I mean, they have huge ice packets in there for this food, yep. and the cool thing is like. The way, you know, for collectors like ourselves, they wrap you into getting it because each time you get a new box, the the ice packs are different colors. So I want to be like, I want every damn color that HelloFresh has. So I want to keep on getting this. 
Yeah, yeah, but, like, we, no, uh, can't we actually it. have saved quite a few of those uh, ice packs that they put in there, and they're really good for coolers later on. If like we don't have an ice maker in our fridge, yeah, in our freezer, and so we use it for coolers for putting beer and nice pop and whatever. And so it's the gift that keeps on giving. Right, and and we have kept I think two or so, but they are very large. Oh, they're and huge, very yeah. kind of like inconvenient if you don't have the right size to. <laughs> to fit them right. or use them for so yeah anyway you know well still not to drag this out too long but that completely reminded me of this thing uh all right so when i was a kid i was i don't know how young i was i was well i, I andy wasn't andy wasn't born yet so i was i was younger than eight okay um and i had gotten as a gift it's called a grow a frog kit nice and so it's i like this the way this tank, is going it's this little tank and some food and a little like little gravel for the. I mean, this tank is it's like six by six by eight. It's tiny. <laughs> um, <clears throat> and a little gravel to put in there and just like a, a whole everything you need minus the frog. And what you do is whatever species of this frog is, they I guess they breathe the crap out of them, and you send away for it. And you know you write a check or cash or whatever i will as part of the kid i think you got the frog for free okay um and you so had to, like, you mail in and yeah it's basically a postcard you just fill it out and send it in and they automatically take care of uh you know they'll, they will they'll wait till they send it in the middle of the week so there's no chance that it's sitting in any warehouse or anything like that um and they'll wait till a break in the weather to send it so it's nice it's nice out and we sent it in. No way. I think it was like, I don't know if it was late late winter or early spring, and the weather had been okay, so we sent the thing in, and right after we sent it in, there was like a cold snap. Oh, and, God. <laughs> um, waiting and waiting and waiting, and for whatever reason, the day it came, you know, this was before tracking packages on the internet or anything. Right. Um, and so we were, we were someplace as a family, and we got home, and it was like nighttime, and mom goes out to <laughs> get the get the mail and it's like holy cow there's just a bag of water with a frog in it in the mailbox that's been there all day because we've been gone all day <laughs> so it's like frozen yeah the water itself wasn't frozen yet but it was like almost and the frog oh, was no. it was just like mm, like, stre- like i guess the <laughs> listeners can't see but i'm showing nolan it was just like this stretched out like pale-eyed frog pose oh, I, no. I didn't really know what was going on at the time because i think my mom was trying to hide it like oh no the frog just showed up dead <laughs> and so she brought it in and uh i was doing whatever getting changing clothes or whatever and they're like in the kitchen with this bag it's it just it's like the stereotypical like goldfish in a bag kind of thing right, right. and uh they're like in the kitchen running under hot water trying to warm it up and i guess you know eventually it worked out okay it started twitching came back to life no way everything was fine it was just this wee little frog i mean it's the size of a quarter it was tiny that's crazy um, and that frog uh that was actually the first of two frogs that we had cuz we had, you can send away and get another one to pair them up and have frog oh, buddies oh nice nice and uh this one was a couple years older than the other, and it, I mean, it ended up living for like 10 years or something like that. Holy crap. It was a long time, and it like tripled the size it was ever supposed to get to, and turned out, I mean, it lived a, a long, extremely long life, but it was your whole uh, HelloFresh <laughs> forgetting that it was out there and then talking about how cold it was totally brought back all of that, and uh, oh about the time God. I almost had a frozen frog in the mailbox. 
I love it. That's amazing. <laughs> Unfortunately, you can't bring you can't bring uh, fifty degree chicken back to life. But that's okay. no, no, you can no like raw bad. chicken. <laughs> that would describe my uh, experience last night. We had some uh, bad Chinese food last night. So oh god, yeah, kind of the same. Are you sure it wasn't there. just Burger King? No, I'm sure we had Chinese food. That's the only <laughs> thing I had, and it, it wasn't good. So. You're fine. Okay. <laughs> we'll get into detail on that, but okay. Same Next idea week. there. All right. We should probably get, <laughs> we should probably get into the show topic. We're gonna be talking about the Rat Pack and how they took over Vegas and made what Vegas is today. Let's take a look. So a quick introduction as we get in almost nine minutes into the show. Here we go. The Pack were singers and actors Frank Sinatra, Dean Martin, Sammy Davis Jr., British actor and brother-in-law to President John F. Kennedy, Peter Lawford, and comedian and talk show host Joey Bishop. At the height of their appeal in the first half of the 1960s, a reported 34,000 people flocked to the Stands Hotel just the Sands Hotel throughout that time and Casino in Las Vegas over a four-week season to take in the swagger, antics, and camaraderie on stage. So obviously we've talked about the Rat Pack individually. Uh, about a year ago, October, we took uh, an episode per person to talk about um, the Rat Pack uh, main group. But this time we're going to be focusing on just their Las Vegas career um, specifically. So Ben, why don't you kick us off? What's going on? All right, so first thing we're going to talk about is the actual Rat Pack moniker. Um, a little bit of controversy actually surrounding uh, the term Rat Pack and how it came into existence. Uh, in the book Rat Pack Confidential, author Sean Levy um, wrote that the group were christened uh, the Rat Pack when Lauren Bacall uh, was quoted saying, like a goddamn Rat Pack uh, in just in describing the you know these group of individuals <laughs> it's hard to focus when no one's making faces at me in in the uh, <laughs> video call here what <laughs> um so the initial version of the group most often met at Bogart's uh Homeby Hills residence and included along with the hosts and Sinatra a revolving door of various actors such as David N- uh Niven David Niven Ava Gardner, Robert Mitchum, Elizabeth Taylor, Judy Garland, Catherine Hepburn, and Spencer Tracy, which is pretty much an all-star lineup, uh, if you ask, yeah. ask me. Yes. Uh, you know, at this point in time, it was pretty much, you know, you. this was the, this is where it was. Right. Everybody like, was involved. Why go anyplace else, honestly? <laughs> it's going to be less fun, so... <laughs> Um, so after Bogart died in 1957, the name would eventually come to represent the five-person group of Sinatra, Martin, Davis Jr., Lawford, <clears throat> Lawford, uh, and Bishop. Um, and you know, getting back to the term Rat Pack, you actually, uh, those guys didn't really even care for the name, especially uh, Sinatra, who was. Uh, kind of public about his dislike for the for the label. Um, they actually preferred uh, and called themselves uh, the Clan or the Summit most of the time, uh, and they've actually never act, they never called themselves the Rat Pack. Um, you know, indirect reference to themselves. I'm sure they probably called themselves that in reference to disliking the name, uh, 
but it was mostly uh, developed by the media and ended up sticking to this day, and that's what they're predominantly known as. Right. And that's kind of crazy. to, to I, I never really read much into it to know that they actually just didn't really care for it. I mean, the thing is, it's like the public is going to recognize and call them what they want. You know, like they're just there to do their job. They're there to have fun and, you know, just bring the entertainment. So they're going to be like, whatever, you know, mm-hmm. what they call us is what we, what they call us. So, right. And it, you know, it, and, and from the quote, uh, the original quote about the, how the Rat Pack got its name, it it's, they probably, some element of that dislike was because, it wasn't necessarily said in vain, but it was definitely like a, uh, I don't know how to describe it. Like it, it wasn't intended to be nice. It was kind of describing the group as, uh, wow, I don't even know how to, I don't, well, it, I don't it's like know where one of those things at. where you go to a party with a friend, right? But then you meet up with old friends and you only talk to the old friends and forget about your other friend. And they're like, oh, my God, why did I even come? Because they're just over there like a freaking rat pack and they never leave each exactly. other kind of thing. Exactly. Like it, it wasn't, yeah, it wasn't necessarily an insult, but it was kind of a, uh, just a name used to like, hey, these, these group of guys always hanging out by themselves, uh, you know, not really including everybody else, even though right. in the early days it included a ton of people. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> yeah, so... Quit it. Just quit it. Just quit it. Uh, yeah. <laughs> All right, moving on. Sinatra was the spark that actually changed Vegas into such an entertainment hub. Sinatra performed his first gig in Las Vegas on September um, in 1950, in September of 1951 at the Desert Inn, but it was at the Sands Hotel and Casino, the seventh resort to open on the Strip, where Sinatra and the Rat Pack would become headliners almost for, you know, Every night or anytime there was something big going on, you could rely on the Rat Pack uh, being there to provide that entertainment. Las Vegas was experiencing a post-World War II uh, boom. So the population was growing and there was a continued influx of money due to the legalization of gambling in Nevada back in 1931. Uh, money from organized crime was combined with that of respectable investors to create a playground for a growing middle class with more leisure time and expand, uh, expendable dollars. So, you know, Vegas was always had this weird, like, dark hue to it, you know, like the way it was portrayed and the people that were obviously big uh, money makers and money movers were obviously kind of flying close to well i mean they were breaking the law obviously but they're flying like just under the radar um so a lot of it was kind of uh you know unknown not really sure how to feel about it but uh you know once you kind of see these big names bringing entertainment people are going to influx to that um and obviously there's a lot of money to be made yeah and it's in looking at vegas outside of the entertainment industry um, th- there really isn't any intrinsic value to Las Vegas. You know, it's not on the water. It's, you know, it's not a Chicago that's a big business center or on the water for shipping, uh, exporting, that sort of stuff. Um, you know, I mean, it's in the middle of a desert. I mean, half the water has to be brought in. Right, right. <laughs> Every, yeah, you know, and then no, <laughs> and nobody's then the, from uh, Las Vegas. 
Right. Right. And then um, the Bellagio just uses all the water on the fountains anyway. So, <laughs> yeah, that's true. Yeah. They, <laughs> and, and so really all it had going for it was the beginning of entertainment. It grew from there. You know, it, the, the uh, legalization of gambling was huge. You know, that's, a, that's an enormous draw of, uh, of customers right there. And it still is. I mean, that's, that's what Vegas is based around. And it's really, that was the, the key factor in everything else built up around there. You know, you have to, uh, the entertainment stuff that built up, uh, around it was either there for, uh, people to, uh, something to do besides gambling or something to draw people there to see them and then get them into the casino and keep them there longer. Exactly. Um, and then enter the Rat Pack, you know? Right. Exa- yeah, exactly. And then, you know, there's multiple multiple industries uh, all centered around that basic, uh, you know, the gambling. Right. It's so cool. Like, I've been to Vegas. Um, have you been to Vegas before? I have not. Okay. It's interesting. I mean, there's definitely, you know, the environment's very uh, exhaustive, but... A good time nonetheless. I would highly recommend at least going once. But I can only imagine what like the air felt like back then. I mean, this was such a I don't know. It's it, it was such like a big counterculture aspect of America at the time, you know? Like you go to Vegas and it's like everything is just let loose. Like nothing really matters other than the chance of making money and seeing high named acts you know all in the same place though so obviously you'll just get like drunk and smoke and have a good time um and you know i mean and that's why the rat pack was so welcomed in this kind of environment because they let loose you know they, i mean they always looked nice but they knew how to loosen up their ties and just have a good time which people i feel like really enjoyed yeah yeah and i, I yeah and they had a a different they had a different air around them where it, it it seemed like they were easier to get to know for the normal person. I guess right. maybe that's a bad right. way of describing that. But you know, talking <laughs> no. about the the loosen up the ties, relax, have a good time, that feel was uh different from other areas of the entertainment industry and made it easier for fans and well, paying customers to, uh, seems like they could get to know the entertainer a little bit better. Right, right. And to finish up this uh, section quick, there is a quote here from the Nevada Lieutenant Governor Lorraine Hunt Bono um, back in 2013. Frank wouldn't go out after dark without a sports without a sports coat on, let alone perform out of a tuxedo. Um, he was the spark that changed Vegas from a dusty western town into something glamorous and there we go that's kind of brings us full circle in terms of what we were talking about um <laughs> it that does but it, so. <laughs> it also it does but it also everything we talked about right before that about the relaxed loosening of ties that sort of thing <laughs> it like is exactly opposite of that yeah that's true but you know you get that kind of feeling because it's like feel good music um it's stuff that puts you in a good mood right but i think the point of that quote is also that it wasn't small time kind of stuff. It was all it was, everything was fancy. Everything was big name, right? Um, it was it, it was the big time, right? So, 
So moving a little bit away from the normal uh, song and dance act that would that we were kind of talking about before, um, a string of successful movies made the Rat Pack household names. So everyone outside of out of uh, Las Vegas was starting to recognize these guys, these individuals. <clears throat> Tourists flocked to the new resorts, both to gamble and to see A-list stars who were now beaming into living rooms, thanks to the growing proliferation of television sets. By 1954, up to 8 million tourists a year were hitting, this, were hitting the strip and buying tickets for performances by artists such as Marlene Dietrich, Ronald Reagan, Debbie Reynolds, Liberace, Elvis Presley, Sinatra. God, I love it. I know, a that's lineup. a lineup. Oh, that's yeah, so exactly. <laughs> Um, now moving down to one of the big ones that we wanted to talk about in 1960, Ocean's 11 debuted in theaters in the United States, showcasing the Rat Pack and a romanticized modern version of Las Vegas, uh, starring all five members along with Angie Dickinson, Buddy Lester, Cesar Romero, Norman and Norman Fell. The plot followed Danny Ocean played by Sinatra and a group of his World War II compatriots who attempt to pull off the ultimate Las Vegas heist, robbing five casinos, the Sands, Flamingo, Riviera, Sahara, and the Desert Inn. The movie's final scene showed the group walking away from the Sands Hotel with Sinatra, Lawford, Martin, Davis Jr., and Bishop all listed as headliners on the overhead marquee. Uh... The Rat Pack had truly arrived, and their names were now synonymous with all the glitz, glamour, and cocktail culture uh, that Las Vegas had to offer. I love it. Like, the movie's really good, and you know, obviously we don't, we're don't we not here to like talk about it in general, but we talked a little bit before the mics were on. Um, you got to definitely watch it. I need to re-watch it. It's been a little while, um, mm-hmm. but I absolutely love it. And, you know, just like their personalities, I feel like their genuine personalities kind of come out in... Um, the movie itself, and you can just kind of see how well they work together on screen, uh, just based on their experience together, like you know, off stage and off stage professionally as well. So it's a really cool, really cool feeling to watch that, um, and it, it really does kind of glamorize what Vegas is. I can only imagine how that movie seeped into people and wanting them to just go there and see that sign with everyone's name on it, you know, for when they're mm-hmm. headlining at the Sands or something like that. It's yeah. uh <laughs> very very prominent and cool yeah and you know i'm sad to say that i i actually haven't watched that movie yet it's on the it's it's towards the top of the very long list of movies that i need <laughs> and to watch growing right <laughs> yeah very always long, growing growing list um but here now that we brought it up again maybe it'll get bumped up the list a little bit farther and uh maybe that'll be <laughs> the next movie we watch there you go <laughs> You're going to take us to the next section. Oh, no, no, no. I got to finish up this section. <laughs> so the informal group made, uh, actually made several more films together. Uh, Sergeants 3, 1962. Four for Texas, 1963. Robin and Robin and the Seven Hoods in 1964. Uh, with Robin and the Seven Hoods. Uh, actually did not have Peter Lawford in it, but they ended up adding Bing Crosby to the lineup. Love it, man. Just mixing it up a little bit in the last one. Right, right. (laughs) That's good stuff. I like it. Um, All right. Moving on, the Rat Pack had just as much fun offstage as well as onstage with Martin earning the title as one of the biggest biggest partiers 
of the clan. Uh, the Copa Room at the Sands became their quote-unquote base when they weren't performing. Um, and in the early 1960s, when one member of the group, usually Sinatra, Martin, or Davis Jr. was actually headlining in the Sands, there was a high probability that some, if not all, of the others would show up unannounced on stage, enjoying the performance, adding excitement, drawing out large crowds, adding comedy, um, and you know, just kind of like this very improv friendship um, interaction between everybody, and they would stay out for a couple sets uh, and just have a good time together. So that kind of thing is, I feel like, just really cool to have because you can go and you know see one of these guys headline a show and the show would be completely different from the last time you went and saw him. You know what I mean? Like, that's the kind of thing that I feel like people really liked about this. Yeah, and, you know, think how awesome that would be to be in the in the crowd under a circumstance like that. You know, think about, you know, you save up, you save up, you save up uh, for a vacation, you scrape money together to uh, get a ticket to a show, and, you know, you're excited to see the show anyway, but then you're there, and then some of, some or all of these other guys just, join the act and it turns into basically a big party right uh, right that would be pretty awesome that's crazy yeah i think <laughs> oh, that'd be so much fun um <laughs> crowds could include high roller gamblers whose losses actually helped the casinos pay for the entertainers ever-growing fees throughout the years so look at that little trade-off huh um yeah even better and- <laughs> Yeah, right, right. <laughs> Drinking and partying happens uh, on stage and off, actually, with Martin often portrayed as the group's heaviest uh, drinker and partier and the butt of those kind of related jokes in terms of within the group and outside of the group. Um, a quote here from Sinatra saying, he's got a tan because he found a bar with a skylight. Um <laughs> As he was talking about uh, Dino, um, other celebrities who were regular guests on the racks uh, on the uh, Rat Pack's presence, both on and off stage, included Shirley MacLaine, Dickinson, and uh, Marilyn Monroe. That's fantastic. I know. I, yeah, I love how you know Dean Martin, who is you know the king of smooth. I know. It's it's funny that he's the butt of all the jokes in that <laughs> regard. <laughs> yeah, I know. Obviously, he took it in good stride, but I don't think I've ever like. Oh, what was it? I think I think when he was on Carson once. Do you ever see this clip when Dino was on Carson and he's just like hammered off his mind and slurring things and just like. I mean, no, like he's still like a really funny guy, but you can just tell that like he's had a few already before he even goes <laughs> on Carson. Like, <laughs> no, I don't believe I've ever seen that clip. Oh, I'm gonna yeah. have to, uh, I'm gonna have to find that. You know, just yeah. just thinking about how how big everyone around him has to also be in order to be poking fun of Dean Martin. Dean Martin, yeah, I know, right? <laughs> <laughs> Who would subsequently go on to host roast, you know, Dean Martin's roast. Dean Martin and like, roast, you know, yeah. He was like he was probably just like, I'm sick of all this crap. I'm gonna make fun of everybody else. Like <laughs> <laughs> I love it. So moving on a little bit more uh into the fading popularity due to the British invasion. Uh, while the Rat Pack taught America to swing in the first half of the 60s, the later half would uh, deliver the British invasion of rock acts such as the Beatles and the Rolling Stones, um, the counterculture movement, and the, es- the escalation of the Vietnam War and civil unrest. 
the life's a party appeal of the pack was generally starting to wane, unfortunately. Um, and that's kind of where we see, you know, this style of, of music start to fall out of favor, start to, you know, not be in the limelight as much still, I mean, still popular with, uh, some parts of the young generation, most parts of the older generation of the time. Um, but definitely starting to not, uh, be top of the list anymore. Right. Not Um, making that billboards hot 100 kind of stuff. Exactly. (laughs) Um, so Sinatra ended up severing ties with the Sands in 1967 when billionaire Howard Hughes bought the property and cut off the singer's casino credit line. (laughs) Uh, that's funny. The blue-eyed crooner <laughs> packed his bag. <laughs> I just wonder how much he had lost. Yeah, how I big know. was his credit line? <laughs> right. Uh, the blue-eyed crooner packed his bags, his act, and allure, and decamped to the newly opened Caesar's Palace across the street. Uh, and I know he was there at least through the 80s. I was trying to find the exact date that like he stopped, and everything I could find was around... Like, it was a 1982 uh, set or something like that. Yeah, so. and I think we might have talked about that a little bit on the on the Sinatra show we did a while back. Okay. Um, and I think it was kind of a a soft ending. I don't think it really just, it just ended. I think there was a kind of a fizzle out. Like, he was there, right. started to wind down his shows a little bit. Right, um, like like the shows are more far and few between, and exactly. So I don't, I think, I think we talked about that before, where it wasn't necessarily just a, an end date. Um, okay. And so, uh, moving over to Dino a little bit, the Riviera Hotel would actually become home to Dino, um, as well as the brand new MGM Grand, and so kind of splitting off a little bit. Everyone not necessarily going their separate ways, but. Uh, everyone's career taking them in a slightly different direction, um, kind of opening up their own individual shows at the different uh, casinos and resorts. Right. So to round it out a little bit here, um, jumping way forward, kind of talking about the legacy, in 2018, uh, more than 42 million tourists actually visited Las Vegas. Um very many of them actually taking in shows such as the Rat Pack is Back, which is a celebration of Sinatra, Dean, and Davis Jr. that has been running for almost two decades. That's awesome. Yes, it is. It's fantastic. So all of these, uh, the subjects of these shows are long gone. Uh, they helped create Las Vegas as a world-class entertainment destination, and their shadows continue to loom large over the Strip. Like figuratively and literally, they have exactly. They have um, well, obviously the Rat Pack is back, you know, uh, paying tribute to the guys. But also they have like names, like street names after them. There's like Sinatra Boulevard. There's like Sammy Davis Way, Martin yeah, Street, it, you know, stuff like that. And for a very, very long time, it's it's not just been a, a tourist destination. For the United States, it is a worldwide destination. The entire world knows about Las Vegas. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's just a crazy, crazy place. Um, You know, when you're there, you're like, oh, look, I can just go to Planet Hollywood right now. But walking in Vegas takes a (laughs) lot longer than what you would expect it. And it's kind of crazy. It's like, (laughs) gosh, you know, 
It's, it's insane. Yeah, it's a cool well, place, though. Yeah, you know, kind of not just the, not just the distances, but all the people. Right. Uh, you know, I mean, there's a there's got to be a ton of people walking around at any given time. There's uh, there's I'm sure there's bus tours constantly going up and down uh, the strip. There's people out there who that's all they really care about is cruising the strip. Right. You know. Yeah. And it's weird to be in the casino because it's just like hazy all the time because, you know, there's no smoking bands or anything like that in a casino. And the best right. is like when you go to a restaurant or whatever, my favorite thing is that right before you leave, they're going to be like, hey, do you want your drink to go? Because as long as it's a plastic <laughs> cup, dude, you can just freaking drink alcohol. You can drink anything you want while walking around outside. That is fantastic. It's amazing. Do you yeah, want to get drinks beautiful. to go? I would be <laughs> so thrown off to hear that question from. Right. Uh, right yeah i mean obviously it took us like a quick second to be like wait what and then we'll always say yes so yeah of course (laughs) yeah sure i'll have a coke please yeah yeah, oh my god (laughs) coke zero please (laughs) wait no alcohol (laughs) (laughs) bendy straw if you could uh i love it all right that was episode that was episode 82 all about the rat pack and how they made las vegas thank you so much for tuning in as always we appreciate you having uh we appreciate having you here with us uh you can find us on your favorite podcast app apple Podcasts, google play stitcher spotify um we are out there please give us a five star review if you like what you're hearing just hit that five star button scroll down take about 30 seconds just say hey love the show great topic keep on keep it up we would love to hear from you if, as always if you have another topic or want to be a guest email us at young nostalgia pod at gmail.com thank you so much as always ben Anything else, big guy? No, no, that was fun. We uh, we were on the fence about uh, talking about it during the show or not. Uh, we, when it comes time for show prep this week, we ended up uh, deciding not to go with the Rod Stewart show this week, but leave it for next week, just due to the time it takes for uh, show prep for you know such a big person like that. Um, yes. <laughs> Look, we really do try. We love you guys. We love this show. But this isn't but yeah. <laughs> this isn't our day job. So <laughs> as much as we would love it to be. Yes, but. exactly. So we will be ap- apologies for anyone who is dearly awaiting that, but we'll be back with that next week. Right. These Amish-made, <laughs> these Amish-made uh, toilet bowls are not that comfy to sit on for long periods of time. <laughs> Boom! Explanation. That is, that is the explanation. O- it's the only place I have to sit in my entire house. <laughs> Literally nothing else. Nothing else. <laughs> You're the man, dude. Thank you guys so much. We really love you. We appreciate you. Thanks so much for sticking with us, Ben. As we always say here on Young Nostalgia, keep the bottles empty and the ashtrays full. We'll talk to you next week. 